Imagine this. You're in charge of trying to sell a kid's cartoon show to Russia at a time when Russian currency can't be converted into cash anywhere else. So you sell it for fabric. And then you sell the fabric for cash. Oh, and the education part of your resume looks so impressive it's almost hard to believe. Then you're the first woman to helm the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, the CBC. But only for a bit, because soon you help Twitter set up shop in Canada and then head on down to New York to run the show for the world. Then you're off again to other challenges. So who are you and what changed the game for you? Let's find out. You're listening to Game Changers, the podcast series with Brittle Star. Today's guest, Kirstine Stewart. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it was super easy getting on here. There were zero technical difficulties, and it just all flowed. Absolutely. <laughs> You're such a pro. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call me, the queen of tech, right? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. 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 Uh, you've done so much. Like uh, One of the things that always astounds me when I, I sort of go through and sort of see your, your resume, for lack of a better term, is... Just how, you know, you were, you're kind of involved in media constantly, but like in so many different ways and different things. Mm -hmm. So what was it? I mean, what was the impetus for you like getting into it? Like, why did you, was there something that happened or someone you met or something that happened that that you decided I'm going to go into media? Media is where I want to be because you're not a performer. No, definitely not in front of the camera and yeah. har- hardly in front of a mic. So this is a this is a change of uh, scenery right. for me. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it's interesting because I went through school and university on a certain track, and I thought that I was going to, with my illustrious theory and criticism of English literature degree, uh, end up in publishing or some such thing like it. And, you know, I don't think I was that much even aware of what were the opportunities career-wise in Mm -hmm. media. But then, uh, you know, I fell into something. I fell into a job uh, in a distribution company, which is where I did that selling of the raccoons, the kids show the raccoons over Russia. One of my favorite stories ever. It's just one of those, to me, it's like, it's like the prime example of lateral thinking for me. It's like, oh, we can't go that way uh, through the mountains let's go around the yeah and it was and you know to canada's credit it's the first ever western tv show to be sold to russian television uh, so <laughs> I like the fact the that it was the raccoons yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Yeah, but it, it was not a career path I necessarily envisioned for myself because I don't think I understood that it really existed. And I think it was evolving anyway at that time. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so old that, you know, things were still <laughs> developing and your TV, you know, TV had definitely been around for a while. But I don't think I understood that there were so many jobs within television around content and around creativity and creation. And and so I, I really had fixed my eye on publishing. And when I got out of school, unfortunately, that's when the recession kind of hit the right. first time around on the publishing world. And so I literally answered a job ad in the Toronto Star where we used to have job ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was for a Girl Friday. Right. A distribution company, and those of old of us, those of us who are old enough to remember what a Girl Friday is. That's you know someone who has to do a bit of everything in the office. You're like right. the lowest person on the totem pole. Uh, you, I was you know changing water cooler bottles. I was sending faxes back when we had paper in offices, uh, and uh, it was for a television distribution company, which. Right. I wouldn't have known that was a career possibility in terms of growing in that path. And soon things developed. I became a salesperson there. I became head of international sales. I became president. Uh, like I just, things just started to move. And I think, I think it's just 
taught me very early in my career that you have to be ready for what you're not expecting and not necessarily to fix yourself on a path that is so defined that you can't be ready for opportunities because things change. Like when I started in business, there was no such thing as Google. There was no such thing as definitely not Facebook, Twitter. And then I went on to Twitter. So, you know, these, you know, the ability to understand what your skills are, what makes you interested. I, I love storytelling. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I love content. And so that transfers from the publishing world to the media world and moving over to connecting people to content through selling TV shows to broadcasters worldwide, to becoming a broadcaster, to then moving into a different form of broadcasting when you know the TV was suddenly wasn't the only way to, to get content and you're now in social media to move over, over to Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, these were all kind of steps, I think, in an evolution of an industry that I just got to kind of ride along, which was great. And I think an opportunity that came to me because I was ready for it. Well, I think, you know, it's it, there's two things here. One is uh, I, I often think like, you know, whenever you show up on the scene, people must just look and go, well, she'll be running the show by the end of the week. Really, she'll be running the whole thing. So just get out of the way. Um, but the other thing is like going back to that Girl Friday job, um, which again, is just so weird. It's like the, you know, I can't imagine advertising for a girl Friday. Uh, but it, was that sort of like the first big game changing moment for you? Cause you kind of knew what you wanted to do, but not really just sort of took the opportunity. And did that kind of open your eyes to like, Oh, well, I can see a clear path now. Thanks to this opportunity. Yeah. And I think, I don't know that I necessarily saw the path, but I certainly mm-hmm. saw the field. Like I certainly saw the opportunities. And the nice thing was because the field was expanding and changing and adding, like this was at a time when television was international, but it was still very North American. So right. if you were sitting in, you know, Eastern Europe or in France or in Germany, you might get a few local, you know, primetime shows of your own. But a lot of your airwaves and content was filled by American television. Uh, right. And, you know, that's why they've all seen Happy Days and they all saw, you know, all those kind of shows. And so, you know, that evolution from them changing from acquiring TV shows to commissioning and making their own TV shows, that all changed this way of not just how people consumed uh, content and consumed TV and entertainment, but how they created it. And all of a sudden it went from broadcasters to individuals with smartphones. And so that, that first moment, I think for me was, oh, there's something, you can do this and it can be fun. Because TV is definitely fun. And it wasn't until years later I reunited with someone who was a friend of mine when I was a kid. And she said, oh, God, of course you're on television. And I said, why? Why are you you not surprised? Because I'm totally surprised. And she said, because you knew everything. You always talked about it. You always talked about it in a way differently than other people did. And you were always watching and understanding the business behind it. And so I'm really not surprised at all that that's what you've ended up you know, going into and and doing. So I thought, you know, sometimes people know things better about you than you know yourself. But that opportunity, you know, once it presented itself, I just kind of went for it. But I mean, you didn't know, you didn't see that clearly from that very first get go, though. I mean, you didn't like, I mean, you obviously you can kind of look back in hindsight now and, and see this trajectory from, you know, these opportunities and stuff. Or did you go into that thing and you went, Oh my God, there's like, there's so much I could do here. It, like, was it, is, were you aware of the fact that it was like, oh, this is, this is like one of my moments type of thing? Or was it just more like, oh, let's just try this? I think everything is a series of moments. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, I've had a lot of, I've been lucky enough to be 
present for a lot of moments in an industry mm-hmm. and be ready for that next step and step into it when uh, when I when I was ready for it, but also the the industry was. So mm-hmm. I think it was a for me this opportunity. You know, definitely stepping into my first job, even though I was changing water cooler bottles and filing faxes, yeah. it was fun. Like I was right. selling TV shows, like I was selling Degrassi. Right. We were or helping them too. Like I, the faxes that I was sending were to, you know, television networks around the world. It was to the BBC and mm-hmm. to Australia, and we were talking about things that were not you know, necessarily as cut and dry as some of the other industries you could have stepped into. So it was a fun place to be very early on. And it shared space with a production company so I could see the actual creation of TV right. shows at the same time. So I was hooked immediately when I got into that job, not knowing that that's where I should have been. So you, you were you're able to see like the fruits of your labor, basically. You're able to say, like, I'm doing this and look, it's now turning into this. And, yeah, and that, that yeah. must have been addictive, I'd imagine, to watch that kind of thing happening. Well, and just the idea that for me, I get very excited and still do the, like what motivates me is, is getting people what they want. Like I think if right. there's, and connecting great artists and, and creative people to their audience. Right. Uh, so I might not be the creative one, but I love the creativity and designing that pathway and making sure that connection works. So that's whether it's TV, whether it was Twitter and doing something similar like that, I learned very early that. I thought books were the only way to do that when I thought I was right. going to go into publishing, but it's like the tip of the iceberg. Now you mentioned like, you, you know, you said you've been, you felt you've been lucky because you've been present for a lot of moments and a lot of opportunities. But I mean, it, I, I think it's, you know, it's a common, it has been a common theme in this podcast series of talking to various people about how um, there's luck, but I mean, luck is just kind of you being ready for opportunity or being available for opportunity. Do you think that's true? I think so. And I think it's also being, you know, making sure that you're not cutting yourself off from opportunity. Like I, when, you know, now I'm in this lovely position where I'm on the, you know, second half of my career and I get a lot of people who are just starting out in their, in their business lives and who are Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what to do next. And they get very um, focused on a path and paths are important and you definitely want to progress and you want to always do something different, but it's more about what you do and not what the title is. And, and sometimes I find people get too caught up in, I need to be president by the time I'm 30. I need to right. make X amount of money by the time I'm, you know, 32. Uh, right. I didn't fixate on those things. And yet those things happen to me in a good way. Right. Like you, know, you don't, you don't work for the money. The money comes to you. You, right. don't work, you don't work for the title. You do the job and the job comes to you. So I think sometimes it's the way you approach it and luck comes to the prepared and, and, and those that are ready for it. And, 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 you know, opposite side is, is that, uh, you know, I didn't work for those things and plan for those things and they didn't come to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't know that yet. <laughs> the true. day is young. <laughs> well, that's right. Exactly. Gosh, I hope it happens before I'm 33. <laughs> uh, <laughs> lots of time. Lots of time. Lots and lots of time. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, there's a, there's also a common theme for these uh you know, the question being, can you create these moments? Can you like, do you think you can create these sort of game changing moments? Because one of the things that that people I think find interesting, the thing that really made me want to do this series was sometimes you have opportunities and you sort of think, oh gosh, man, I, maybe I should have jumped on that. Like maybe was there, was there a way for me to understand that that was happening or man, there's nothing happening currently. I got to create some sort of thing. Do you think you can create these types of moments that are like big game changing moments? 
I think you can. I think a lot of great people have, and that's you know that's what's created opportunities for so many other people at the same time. And I think if you maybe look at it through that vantage point, and not mm-hmm. just how are you going to do it for yourself, but how are you going to change this right. thing that you're in and is around you, then everybody, you know, the the more the benefit, the more you will benefit as well. So I think there's, I think you definitely you need to motivate change. You need to be looking for what's next and not just wait for it to come to you. You know, luck is about creating it as well. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's, what does that say? Luck favors the bold or, you know, right. it's, it, it, fate favors the bold. It's, it's all about, um, you know, always looking ahead, but maybe I'd like to think that those who think look out for others while they're looking out for themselves actually benefit a bit more. And right. because they're always because they're more connected, like they're mm. more connected to what do people need out there if I do this right. uh, and create life in whatever way a bit easier, more fun, more interesting, mm-hmm. more you know beneficial to certain people. And that could be doesn't have to be necessarily completely worthy things all the time. It could be completely fun things like television. Sure. Yeah. Uh, then maybe you know you're you are going to create change because you're actually creating it with the right mindset. So I think absolutely you know none of us would be where we are without great game changers. And in a lot of ways, we are our own game changers. It's interesting because, you know, I spoke to uh, to Drew Scott, one of the Property Brothers guys and he on the series, and he was saying that one of his biggest motivations has been uh, finding ways to help other people. He's always been driven and wanted his own success, but he found it kind of, things kind of really took off when he was able to think of it in terms of, uh, I want to do this and this is going to help these people, you know, get this or, or do yeah. this or whatever. And that seems to be a real strong motivator for people. Do you think that's an essential part of, uh, of you know, your, your motivation or, or your planning? Absolutely. It is for me personally. And I th- mm-hmm. think that those movements that happen, you know, most and, and work the best are mm-hmm. those that are thinking about, you know, broadening, broadening the scale, broadening the scope of, of things outside an individual or a smaller group or right. like, I think that's, you know, you're not going to make change unless there's impact and impact is measured by size in a lot of ways. So sure. it's, you know, I think when you look beyond yourself and start to solve for problems that a number of people are feeling, or you start to solve, you know, you start to create opportunities for a lot more people than just yourself. Then I think mm-hmm. that luck suddenly does come to you. So let's say you, you've either created a, a situation or you've, you've met up with someone or you go for coffee with someone and something's discussed and it's, or whatever the situation happens to be. And you think, you know, well, this, this could be a moment for me. Are there, are there any telltale signs that people can look at those things and go, okay, this is, this is happening. This is happening. It's checking all these boxes. This might be an important moment for me. Yeah. I think first of all, to align with your, skill set and values that's probably the most important mm-hmm. connection that you have to make to something that's you new know, that that that's approaching you or that you're seeing on the horizon like does this really suit me mm-hmm. and suiting me beyond a does this give me the money i expected to make does this give me the title i wanted to have does this really interest me does it make right. me curious will i keep learning uh, mm-hmm. will will i have impact in a beneficial way will i be able to use my skills to impact uh, and do i do it in a way that makes me comfortable so that's where mm-hmm. the value piece comes in does this does this value set align with what makes me happy with what makes me sleep well at night you know you want to sleep you you want to have disruptive sleep because you're excited, not because you're you know concerned about what you did right. the day, what you did right. in the day to make you know your success. So I think, and I think today what I really appreciate about the generations that kind of come in behind us is that they've got that right. 
Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they don't always exercise it in the in the in the best way, but they, I think, understand that work is not just a contract of you know value exchange for money. There mm-hmm. is this sense of what impact am I? Can you can you prove to me what kind of impact my job will have, and also what right. what is your value set that makes me you know relate to you and how do I feel like my impact is beyond just the work I do and, and actually is bringing something benef- beneficial and again not always in this like I'm not you know a number of fantastic people you know work at, for NGOs and in the charitable side of things mm-hmm. you can do this and be capitalistic too <laughs> like there right, is right. there is something about you know doing good for others you know it is if that's your vantage point then everybody should benefit. Right, exactly, exactly. Now, a lot of the stuff you're sort of mentioning is like very situational. Like it's sort of, uh, I guess the question is like, you know, can can individuals like, were have there been any individuals for you that you would say were game changing people? Yeah, I think we, if we're lucky in life, we have a lot of those people throughout, mm-hmm. you know, and, and different touch points, and sometimes different. Uh, levels, so to speak, like it's not always as you describe it, which does happen a lot, which is somebody who's, you know, bigger than you and, and right. the fact that they are kind of shining their light and, and are generous enough to do that with you. That's that's amazing. Um, it's I have always believed in the kind of positive reinforcement or the, you know, the positivity of kind of a collective of people around you mm-hmm. and those game changers that are you know always around you all the time can motivate you to do the most interesting things like they it's you know like your situation i've had people who've been generous enough to go hey i spot talent in you right and i'm going to talk well about you and that promotion you know you're getting it and so that's mm-hmm. that's amazing you also have moments where i remember when i hit the top 40 under 40 and I was, I've always been really careful with, I've got two daughters and right. I've, I've always very careful not to kind of talk too much about what I do in the day because, you know, you're, you, you want to show them enough to, so that they understand how to navigate the world, but you also right. don't want them to bombard them with things that's not their life. <laughs> uh, so I remember coming home though and, and somebody said to me or I said, uh, oh, by the way, I'm top 40 under 40. And my eldest daughter, who was probably like 12 at the time or something uh-huh. said, what number are you? <laughs> and, you know, so sometimes it's those motivations, too, that are like, yeah, actually, I guess I better get my ass in here. <laughs> like, it's, it's you know, yeah, I better get moving. Like, that's, there's all those external motivations that are not always, you know, the people that are older and wiser than you. Sometimes it's out of the mouths of babes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, you know, that is a humbling experience all the time. I love that. I love that I have people so was who that humble a super me. Moti- was that a motivating experience for you to have your 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 child say that to you? Like, did yeah. you literally think to yourself, "Oh, yeah, I better I want to see how how high I want to get." This, in this actually matters to her. Like, I really didn't think it right. mattered to her. And, right. And similarly, the same daughter. She's going to get a bad reputation here, but <laughs> I had come back from the states where I was running the Hallmark Channel internationally. Right. So I was yeah. running all these, and I was in Denver, and we were living down there. And you know, by virtue of the position, I was on the top floor in this big corner office, and. Uh, coming back to Canada, I was working at Alliance Atlantis, which is a fantastic yeah. job. I was running the Lifestyle Channels, their HGTV, Food Network, all that. But it's a part of a bigger company, whereas mm-hmm. I was the head of Hallmark. And when I was the head of Hallmark, she'd come with me to the office and we'd go to the top floor and, and you know she'd visit. And so this time I took her to my new job and we stepped into the elevator and she automatically pushed the top button. 
<laughs> and I went, oh, no, honey, it's here. And I pushed one about five fours down and she just looked at me like, oh, that's how it works. Oh, man, that sounds like our youngest. Our youngest just sort of assumes that we're going to have the best of everything. And it's yeah. like, no. Uh, and what a nice way to live, though. <laughs> well, I know exactly. Yeah, the reality might come crashing down. Hopefully it won't. But yeah. uh, at some point. But uh, that's really funny. That's really interesting. I mean, I, I think, you know, one of the things I grapple with as a, as a parent, and I know it's interesting because we're talking about a very business focus today, which is awesome. Um, but just adding that parenting thing is really interesting to me. Like mm-hmm. I often sort of think to myself initially when we had, we've got two boys uh, and they're in their, they're 16 and 19 currently. And I always think to myself, you know, when they were younger, I need to do what I can to, to help them and provide these moments that they can capitalize on. And it used to drive me insane sometimes because I would present these moments and they would be oblivious to them. And I think, well, I don't know if I've done that right. Or do you think parents can do that kind of thing? Yeah, I think, you know, it has to be done in context, right? And so I think Mm -hmm. that's when I said I didn't bring a lot of my work home at the same time. You know, my kids could be incredibly, um, into my work because right. you know your work comes home with you sure. and I would be in the car uh, on a on a conference like on a, a speaker phone mm-hmm. uh, we were heading back from a live show a live airing of one of our big big competition shows on the CBC and right. Rogers went out in Toronto just mm-hmm. as the finalist the, 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 the winner <laughs> the winner was being announced uh, a ton of anxiety uh, over yeah. over that happening was being expressed over the car phone mm-hmm, with my mm-hmm. two children who were quite young at the time in the car uh, and they learned a lot they learned a lot in that moment a lot um, of new they learned words, yeah maybe. they learned a lot of new words they probably hadn't heard before um, and they also just learned how to do business and I think right. that's you know I think it's I think you know we we try to create, I think, these false islands of mm-hmm. where work is and family is, and ultimately we're fully rounded people. And there's going to be days, you know, I've always been asked about work-life balance, and I mm-hmm. don't believe in it. I think, you know, right. if anything, all you can expect is work-life flow and right. the opportunity to kind of expose your kids to what business life is really like, I think is important because they make their choices based on what they probably see and they learn along the way. Like I think, you know, my eldest daughter went, she's just finished her marketing degree and has got a fantastic marketing job that she got all on her own without any, you know, help or interference from me. Uh, and my youngest is going Amazing. in, my youngest is going into commerce and tech and, and, you know, and so I think it's funny how, you know, I certainly didn't say, you know, you will grow up to be like me. <laughs> and, right, right. And there's a lot of reasons why I wouldn't have done that. Uh, but there's, you know, it rubs off. And I think if they get any kind of advantage from, like, they have to put up with so much. Mm-hmm. They have to put up with missing parents. They have to put up with, you know, I don't get to get to every recital. I don't get to, you know, there's enough that they have to put up with. They certainly should get the benefit mm-hmm. occasionally of what it's like to to go through that work-life flow. And so I think, you know, it might not be teachable moments, but I think if you just consistently explain why you're doing something, right? Um, you know, they, they, they then are not surprised by the real world when they get out there. I think that's great. Uh, you know, perspective on it for sure. I think it's you know, parenting is difficult enough, and I think it's uh, especially for people who are uh, you know self-employed or or mm-hmm. essentially self-employed. You know, I think that a lot of uh, you know executive positions and management type positions are essentially you're kind of you know working independently and running it like you'd be running your own business. So I think that's a really good perspective on it and the fact that you shouldn't have worry about this balance and just have this flow. That's very mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, just to veer slightly away from that. Um, 
one, a few of the people we've spoken to have said that there's a huge benefit in saying yes to things all the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, meaning you, you don't get opportunities unless you're saying yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you agree? I agree. I think, and I'll put on my woman card here. I think as a woman, <laughs> you have to be careful what you right. say yes to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot, um, of news lately around, uh, the fact that it's been shown that when you break down the tasks in an office or the mm-hmm. tasks in a work situation, uh, women get asked to do jobs that don't lead to promotion or don't lead to growth. Right. You know, it's often you're in a room and someone turns to you and says, you'll be taking the notes or, yeah. you know, you've got the best handwriting or, you know, right. whatever excuse they want to use. And, and I think putting your hand up absolutely is key. Making sure you put your hand up for something that matters mm-hmm. is even more important. So I, right. you know, that's my kind of caveat when it comes to my own perspective of, and I think instinctively, maybe I was lucky enough to do that more than find myself working to things that wouldn't have led to you know more, more visibility more learning more you know more opportunities so that's that's where saying yes ha- becomes important about what you say yes to right i think that's really good too um so do you foresee more like do you think there's going to be a lot more game-changing moments for you I think so. I'm I'm up mm-hmm. for it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I'm uh, I'm not dead yet, um, <laughs> and I think you know, uh, just moving from the media space into the tech space. You know, who knows what's next after this? Mm-hmm. Um, I was I, I came upon the job that I'm in now as um, president and CRO of a innovation firm called Tribal Scale, which actually mm-hmm. helps other companies innovate and build products alongside them. And it's, it's a fascinating business and it happens worldwide. You know, that's not something I would have thought I would be doing with my, you know, my earlier experience. But at the same right. time, it's very relative because it's all about working, you know, working on the next thing that helps people connect. Uh, and and uh, I completely was not looking for that job. I was looking right. to, I was looking to go into a VC role actually because mm-hmm. I had helped another company called Diply. You know, we worked together yes. with that team and and we had built it to quite a good size over a short period of time. I thought, you know, I could, and, and it wasn't as taxing as it could have been. I thought I have mm-hmm. more room for this. I could do more companies. So I, you know, I thought I'll be a VC. And in those conversations, that's when I bumped into Tribal Scale as an opportunity because they are not just a services business which helps you know these companies innovate by building alongside them and doing digital transformation but it has a vc component because it has tribal scale venture studios which looks into building startups in a new kind of disruptive way and so that you know who'd have known you know just like when i said who knew yeah who, who knew google would have existed i was watching an old episode of friends i don't know if right. you see those old uh, repeats of of course yeah and I, that episode must have even been before google because they invented some stupid game and they called it google <laughs> And I thought, oh my God, that's hilarious. They did, they predicted the future. Uh, but, you know, like we, I think you have to be, you know, yes, there's lots of game changing moments ahead because the world keeps changing and I'm still interested in the world. I, I, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's uh, oddly reassuring. I, I sort of, as again, go back to the beginning of the conversation where I said, you know, I'm kind of awestruck at how you've just, you've got this sort of, you're driven and you, you seem to have this clarity about uh, what you're doing in the world around you. But then if to hear you say that, you know, you didn't think you're going to end up here. I mean, that kind of makes, I think, the, the dumber people in the world like me feel a little bit better. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, well, OK, well, I don't know what's going to happen next either. So maybe we're we kind of somewhat the same, I guess, maybe. Um, well, I think but, it's, you know, I, I wrote that, I wrote a book called Our Turn mm-hmm. and someone asked me why did I write the book and I was actually approached to write it. And 
yeah, yeah, the only thing that kind of convinced me that my story could be interesting to anybody mm -hmm. is that it could have been anybody's story. Right. Like ultimately, I'm not Cheryl Sandberg, who, you know, as much as, you know, she's been really helpful for a, a big community of women to, to lean in, she also came from a certain Ivy League education and standing right. in, a, in a family and an economic situation. That's not what my experience is. And I'm probably more like, and I know I have certain advantages and privileges, but I'm probably more like a lot of the people that, you know, we all know. Uh, and telling my story, I thought, would could be in some way, hey, if she can do it, I can do it too. So I do believe in that. I do think that if you have the right attitude, aptitude, and approach, then I think we can we can be so much we can be our best selves and I think that's you know I think that's all anybody wants to be and I don't think that people should get tied up in the fact that you know I've been a CEO and that's great and that's where I wanted to be but if you want to be somewhere that's different and just be completely fulfilled and happy and satisfied and have the impact that you want you can lead from anywhere you don't have to necessarily that's a wonderful thing about today is we're not that same kind of system that used right. to be in place you can actually have so much impact like look what you've done you know you've you have taken, you know, a, a smartphone, a microphone and six <laughs> seconds of video and turned it into a massive career that you influence and tell stories. And, you know, that's I like who, to think of it as I've taken such a little and made it go a very long way. No, so. it's 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 a huge impact. And, you know, who, before it was studios and cameramen. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. this is, it's you know, you've you've been ready for the change and you have a skill and you jumped on it. And I think that's what people everybody should be. There's so much more opportunity to do that now, and right. you know, power is kind of in the hands of the people with smartphones and everything, so let's take advantage of it. I was going to cut you off, but I like how it was just all sort of inflating my ego. It was there pretty go. good. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> 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 well, fantastic. So you told us about Tribal Scale, and I mean, that's kind of occupying most of your time, I'd imagine, right now currently, is it? I'm also on a couple of boards, um, mm -hmm. which I'm excited about because that keeps me interested and busy in other businesses and seeing how those all work and function. So mm -hmm. I'm on the board of the SCORE. I'm on the, which is the sports app, um, yep. and I'm on the board of Wow Entertainment, which is a, uh, a, a kids TV, um, mm -hmm. which kind of takes me back to my earlier days. That's right. And I'm on a forestry board. Oh. <laughs> yes. Wow. Upper Canada Forestry, which is fascinating because it's all about, you know, distribution and supply chain, and um, it's a whole other kind of approach to business. So I like to you know, keep my brain active and it's kind of nice to be able to, you know, beyond tribal scale. I think it, I think it enhances my work back at tribal scale because I see so many different businesses. So. Right. I really don't like how well-rounded you are. It's kind of yeah. annoying. <laughs> it's a bit too annoying. I sort of want you to be focused in one thing, but you're philosophical and you're helping forests and stuff and it's all a bit too much. For me. <laughs> um, well, that's amazing. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us today. We greatly appreciate your time and uh, it's been a great chat and really good insight as well on sort of, you know, uh, how you got to where you are currently and how, you know, others can kind of uh, be open to opportunity and and sort of see what's going to fit best for them and how they can uh, fit best in the world, I guess, is the idea. Well, and thank you for providing this opportunity from one steward to another. That's right. Exactly. A good steward name. That's right. Thanks so much, Christina. I, pre I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Take care. You've been listening to Game Changers, the podcast series with Bristle Star. 